Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Re'ei Aliyah Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Re'ei. Our Parsha as a whole contains 126 Sokim, and our Aliyah only has 17 running from Pasuk Yud Aleph Chavov to Yud Beis Yud. The main idea of our Aliyah is curses and blessings. Let's take a look at a bit of a summary and then we will look at some points to ponder. First, Moshe Rabbeinu starts off by saying that Hayom, today, Behold, I placed in front of you today curses and blessings. When will these happen? Well, the bracha, the blessing will be forthcoming when you will follow the word of Hashem and the curse will be forthcoming, God forbid, when you do not follow the ways that Hashem set forth for you. Moshe then goes on to explain that when B'nai Israel will enter the land of Israel, you will need to travel about a day to the west to a place where they'll place the bracha, which is a mountain called Har Grizim, and the klala, the curse on Har Eval. This is in the area the Torah tells us of Elon Moreh, which Rashi explains is the area of Shechem. Moshe then begs them to keep the commandments so that they, when they will, they will be able to enter the land securely. And he emphasizes some of those commandments in here, which includes destroying any shrine to paganism in all locations they find them, breaking their altars, burning down their uh, Eshtar trees, some, their standing stones, destroying their images, and wiping out the name of pagan Avodah of polytheism in those places. But not to do this. Don't do this to Hashem your God, rather you shall come to a special place uh, that Hashem will choose and that's where you'll bring your offerings, your gifts. Not like we do today, each person, as each person sees fit in their own eyes and this will guarantee them dwelling safely in the land. You'll notice a little, it's a little disjointed at the end of the Aliyah, we'll try to get to that in a moment. Four basic questions that we're going to be looking at in considering our Aliyah. Question number one. What is, when is this taking place? What is the Hayom? If you'll notice, it says, Behold, I'm placing in front of you today curses and blessings and curses. So when is the today? It's worthwhile noting that the first three psukim of the parasha actually contain the word Hayom. This, is, this, this binary option is placed today. The second pasuk is the bracha, which is placed today. And the third, uh, third pasuk is curses, which are placed today. Um, so what, what is the Hayom? Rav Hirsch quotes the famous Ma'amar Chazal, the saying of our sages, which teaches us that every day that we com- obey commandments and avoid negative commandments should be like it is new in our eyes. It should be Chadashim every single day. So it should be as if I was commanded it today. When I became Bar Mitzvah, when I first put on my tefillin, just a few weeks before Bar Mitzvah, the Rabbi Marshall, Rabbi Kurtzag, came over to me and said to me, I hope that you have the same excitement to, um, that you have today for putting on tefillin every day that you put them on. They're trying to extend that excitement that it's Hayom, that it's today. The, uh, the Orachaima College presents another two options, and, uh, and they are, first, that it is 40 years after having Moshe as a leader that they finally understand Moshe. It took 40 years for a student to fully engage and understand what the teacher was saying. That's what the Hayom is. That's what it's right today. And another possibility that Orachaim suggests is Hayom is a metaphor for living on this earth, living in this world. It is a short and fleeting day. Take advantage of it to get the bracha and the klala, to avoid the curses and to attain the blessings. Let's move on to the second question. What are these blessings and curses exactly? Rashi explains that this refers to the later on paragraph in the Torah in Parashas Kisavoy, where in Perek Chavzai and Hashem um, sets up Israel that they're going to be half the tribes by Har Grizim, half the tribes by Har Eval, and they're going to have the Levim in the middle who are going to be turning their faces and, and, uh, and saying 12 blessings towards the one mountain, 12 
the curses to the other mountain and everybody will answer Amen. We'll get to that as to why those 12 are um, highlighted. But nonetheless, that's what it's referring to. And this is the setting up what the ceremony will look like. Stage one. The third question, Analia. What, what, what are we not supposed to be doing to Hashem? It says, Loi sa'asun kain. Do not do such to Hashem, your God. Says the, says, says Rashi, Rashi quotes two options. One is we could read this as a continuation of the previous Pesukim. The previous Pesukim are focusing on destroying the shrines and the names of pagan uh, idol worship. Don't do that to God. And this is the Isur, or it's called Mechikas Hashem. Not just destroying the base of any holy sanctuary or temple. But it also refers to erasing Hashem's name, which is why it is that we don't just throw out holy writings, which has Hashem's name. We put in something called Shemos, which literally means names, where it is buried in a holy way, full psukim, also just buried. Don't just throw things out. That comes from this Pasuk. But we can also read this Pasuk as an, att- an attachment to, or an introduction to the next psukim, which is about bringing Karbonus in a specific place. And the prohibition over here is not just to bring a carbon in any place you want, but rather to bring it in the base, the Midash or the Mishkan, as Rashi explains in this context. Finally, the last question on the Asaliyah is that the, as we get towards the end of the Aliyah, the Torah tells us, Don't do what you're doing today. Each person as they want. What is that referring to? What is, it, what is allowed in the desert today, which will not be allowed, or is going to be changing as they enter into the land of Israel? Rashi points out that this is the prohibition of Bamos, of backyard altars, where people would sacrifice to Hashem, but on their own altars. No, when you go into the land of Israel, you are going to have to use the Bama Hagadolah, the great Mizbah in the Mishkan. You cannot have it at your own convenience. You will have one centralized location. That's how Rashi understands it. The Ibn Ezra says, in the, in the times of the desert, people did not have to bring their karbonos or their bechoros or all the necessary prerequisite gifts to the base of Megash or the Kohanim. It was a choice. But when you go into the land of Israel, you will now be mandated to bring them. That's the way the Ibn Ezra understands it. Finally, the Rav Hush, and the Tziv, based on the Medrash give two interpretations. Um, one possibility is that during the time they were in the desert, if anybody wanted to have a steak, if anybody wanted to have some form of meat, they needed to bring that korban as that, that, that cow or that sheep as a korban, shlamim, as a peace offering, and then use the meat. That's what's called basar tava, meat that you just wanted to eat, not because you wanted to sacrifice it. In the desert, actually, it was more stringent. In order to be able to eat that, you needed to sacrifice it. When you go into the land of Israel, you will now be able to bring korbanos in the, in the Mishkan, but you'll also have, be able to have basar tava, regular meat, you'll be able to shecht, shecht with an outside of the sacrificial service. So therefore, entering the land of Israel actually is going to now less, is going to increase their flexibility. They are going to have more opportunities, but now when you bring karbanos, they need to be in the Mishkan. So on the one hand, where you can bring karbanos is more limited, but the amount that you can shecht for is expanded in scope. And that's what's happening in the description of this aliyah. With this, we close the Rishon. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.